Hey, friends and listeners, welcome back to the podcast. We continue in the series where we're just hearing from the ladies. We are exploring the joys and the challenges of being a female leader or entrepreneur in this season. These conversations have been amazing. So in just a minute, we'll tune back in for this episode. You don't want to miss it. First of all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to those who are supporting our mission and partnering with us to serve more at-risk leaders. Well, who's an at-risk leader right now? You may ask pretty much all of us. Seriously, guys, this has been a year. The last year has been a challenge to all of us. And some of you have said, we want that podcast to continue. We want a scholarship at-risk leaders. And so if you are one of our supporters, we just want to say thank you. If you're interested in helping to support our mission, either the podcast here to help scholarship more at-risk leaders to receive coaching or replenishing experiences, you can head over to storehouse.world. Storehouse is like Christian Patreon slash Kickstarter for kingdom leaders and creators. Incredible website and platform. If you want to head over there, drop down. We are one of the creators and you can join us at even 10 bucks a month and start supporting us so we can continue to deliver great content, support leaders, and ultimately to help leaders get healthy and reach more impact. Today's podcast is no joke. I am talking to a gal who not only serves as a CEO today, but actually changed her life in one core moment. And that one core moment was falling through the third floor in Oklahoma City when the federal building was bombed. She tells the story of that day. She takes us back. And that day was actually a catalyst moment for the rest of her life. She's been incredibly successful. She's done a whole lot of things, but it started with a whole lot of pain and trauma and asking God to just keep her alive through that moment. It's an intense interview, but a beautiful picture of how God redeems our lives and really how intentionality and motivation can change everything. I love this conversation with Amy Downs. She's the CEO of That Credit Union right now. She also is an author. She serves many leaders across the country, an inspirational person and speaker. I hope you will love this conversation with Amy Downs. Well, Amy, welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you. You have a lot going on in your life, and we're going to talk about the last year. Um, as this comes out, we are literally hitting a year where our lives got spun up, and we had a lot of disappointment that happened. I'm sure you've been running hard since then. We'll talk a little bit about that, but we find ourselves in this series on female leadership and entrepreneurship, the joys, and of course, the challenges of that. So permission to speak freely today, but you got to take us back to the Oklahoma City bombing. All right. We're in the bombing. What was that like? What do you remember of that day? Take us back there. All right, I will. First of all, I have to take you back to actually getting hired to, um, to work in the federal building. I went to work for a credit union, which is a financial institution in the Murrah building in downtown Oklahoma City, third floor of the Murrah building. And this was so cool because at my job interview, and this was, take you back in time, this was 1988, I remember a woman with this fiery red hair walked into my job interview and she was the CEO. 
And she introduced herself to me. And for me at that time frame, that was still very new to see a female CEO. Sure. Well, come to find out, it was actually almost all women in this organization. So I had these amazing women mentors um, that I was able to work with for several years. And I had been working for the credit union for seven years um, in April, 1995. And the morning of April 19th, 1995, you know, it was just a beautiful spring morning, typical work day. And I sit down at my desk and one of my coworkers who was seven months pregnant, she came and sat down right beside me. I remember turning to ask her what she needed, but I don't think the words even came out of my mouth because that's when the bomb went off. Mm. And for me, I just heard and felt this powerful, just roar and powerful, like rushing sensation. Like I was falling and I was falling. I was actually falling three floors. And I remember hearing all of this screaming and, and this one woman screaming right in my ear, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And then realizing that was me, that was my voice. I didn't wow. even recognize the sound of my own voice. I was so terrified. And I, I remember, you know, the screaming stopped, everything was dark and black and I couldn't move at all. Like I couldn't move and I couldn't see anything. I would open my eyes, close my eyes, black. Mm. And I kept trying to scream out for help and nothing. I remember laying there wondering if I was dead or alive. Like I had no idea what had happened. I, I had no idea. And then I became aware of a siren going off in the distance. I could hear this siren and I thought, okay, I must still be alive. But it was about 45 minutes of laying there like this until I heard men's voices and they were looking for the daycare babies. And I just started screaming my head off. And I remember they said, um, you know, I hear you, child. I hear you. How old are you? And I remember I wanted to say two. I was afraid they wouldn't come get me. That's I right. was 28. Well, but they came. They had to, to follow the sound of my voice because I was actually buried under 10 feet of rubble, I was still in my chair, but upside down, buried under all this rubble. So about the time they find me and they're starting to dig and I, they might, they uncover my right hand. And I'm thinking they're just going to one, two, three, pull me out because I don't realize, you know, how badly trapped I am. Sure. And about the time they find my hand and I can feel them grabbing my hand and I think I'm going to be pulled free. Then I hear all this commotion and men yelling, there's another bomb. There's another bomb. Everybody get out now. There's another bomb. We got to go. We got to go. And they have to leave me. And I just kept telling them my name, tell my family, I love them because I knew now I knew what had happened. I knew there was another bomb and this was it. And, you know, from that point, um, I experienced what I hear, you know, people describe as life flashing before your eyes, you know, where you're just literally like all of a sudden, like a movie plays and, you, and you're seeing how you've spent your life. And I had so much regret, just heart sick regret over how I had spent my life because I had not lived my life on purpose. 
I had not done anything except drift complacently from day to day. I weighed 355 pounds and I let my weight stop me from going back home and seeing friends and family. So those relationships had, you know, disappeared. And, you know, I just remember begging God over and over again, please, you know, I just want a second chance. And, um, you know, of all the really strange things to do, you know, I lay there, I remember trying to remember scripture and I had quit going to church. I had kind of just dropped out and was kind of living life on my own terms, but growing up, we always had to memorize a bunch of scripture, you know, in children's church, right? Mm -hmm. You got candy. If you could go to church and (laughs) quote the scripture, which I don't know, maybe that had something to do with my weight issue. I don't know. (laughs) But anyway, they, um, I was trying to remember, you know, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death and that was all I could remember. And I remember I was, I was laying there thinking the irony of this, like, I don't know what comes next, like literally in this scripture or anything, I'm not, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you know? And um, then of all the really weird things to do, I started singing um, a praise and worship song that we used to sing growing up in church just popped into my, my head. And I just started singing this song. And when I did, I felt peace. I knew, I didn't know I was going to make it out alive, but I I was okay. I knew I was going to be okay with what was going to come next. And um, of course there wasn't a second bomb. That's why I'm here talking to you today. And, you know, it was six and a half hours that it took them to free me, but they got me out. And I remember laying on that gurney as they took me out of the back of the federal building looking up at the sky that had been the beautiful spring morning before. And now it was cold and dark and gray, but I'll never forget taking that breath of fresh air and promising God, I will never live my life the same. And so, you know, I'd I'd like to tell you, you know, cue the Rocky music. I went running out of the hospital, changing my life. You know, it wasn't quite that like, you know, fast and perfect, but that moment stayed with me. And so I just became obsessed with living my life intentionally. You know, I I, I like that word design, like by, you know, just, just really trying to design and and live with intention. And so that is what I have tried to do now all these, what, 26 years later. Mm, Wow. So that was a hinge moment. I mean, your life was different and you've done some incredible things. We want to hear about those but that's trauma. That's serious trauma. And so how has that trauma impacted you first, the challenges of that uh, for bad? And then of course, we want to talk about how that's kind of catapulted you into intentional living growth and and growth by design. What have been the trauma challenges from having that moment in your past? So there were so, so many, so many challenges, you know, there's the personal challenges, right? There's the physical, there's the psychological The fact that our business, our business model at this financial institution was to serve the people in this building. The building's destroyed. There's no talk of another building. Over half of our staff are killed. Others in ICU, like, 
how do you survive? Like, how does a company survive when you, when literally everything changes in your company? So the first order of business, honestly, I kind of had to put myself on, on the side and go, okay, we've got to work to like save this credit union because it felt like if we didn't save the credit union, that it meant the people who died that they're, I don't know, it it got all mixed up and personal, like, like if we survived, it kept their memory alive or something weird like that. So it became very, very personal to, to not merge and to survive as a credit union. So that was the first order of business, honestly, was just focusing on that. Which I have not once thought about that there was a company that was struggling to survive afterwards because you think about life and death from the outside and this, this terrible tragic event that has become, you know, a monument that people visit, but Oh yeah, mm-hmm. the company has just lost half of their people, the trauma and how do we even survive? So thanks for sharing that. Okay. So that's kind of the, right. the business side of it emotionally, mm-hmm. relationally. I mean, how was it showing up to work those next few years? Oh, it was a mess. I remember you know, I remember, um, I remember there was a girl that we had hired and she had come up to me and said, I created this new form. I think this new form and process is better than what we had before. And I think we should change it. And I remember I just bit her head off. Like I was like, our form is fine. Our process is fine. Like everything's fine. And I was so shaken by this because I knew it wasn't fine. This was all emotional. And it was because I knew the person that had created the process. I mm. knew who created that form. Wow. And I remember I, I went to the bathroom and just sobbing, crying, like realizing I, I have, like, it's, I've got to separate business from my head. And so there was a lot of junk and there was us and them mentality. Those of us that survived, you know, we're the original employees and we're sacred, you know, and then there's you, you're new, you took the place of somebody who died. So, you know, you're second rate. Mm. There was like, it, it was, it, we did not have organizational health for, a, for quite a little bit. Wow. Wow, man. So much there. We talk, I'm sure for, for hours, but your life changed. I mean, everything about yes. your life changed. I'm, I'm looking in the background, seeing a picture of you finishing an Iron Man, right? Therefore, an Iron yeah. Woman. Unbelievable what you've seen now, the CEO of that credit union. Right. So tell me, how did that catapult you into that intentional living that ended up right. being success in so many different well, areas? Of so life? I, I was very blessed to have an incredible CEO that, that um, our, our CEO at the time of the bombing retired about a year later, a new CEO was hired and she mentored me. And I remember one day I was in her office and she said, uh, Amy, let me ask you a question. What would you do different here? If you were sitting in my chair, what, what would you do? And I, you know, I'm like, is this a trick question? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I, I'm like deer in the headlights. I'm not answering this one. But she said something really powerful, so simple, but so powerful. She said, if you had a magic wand, let me just put it to you this way. If you had a magic wand, what would you change? What would you do? And I still hesitated. She said, no, you have a magic wand. There's no wrong answer. And somehow or another, that little simple thing of, no, you've got the magic wand. Freed me up to really think and to not be afraid to say, and I said, well, you know what? Our culture would be different. We would, 
you know, we'd sit around singing Kumbaya, like we'd have this great culture. And I said all this stuff. And then she said, given your current situation, given your current limitations, what are the smallest steps you can do today to work toward that picture? That's your action steps. Go write them down. That's your plan. And I remember walking away from her office just thinking, whoa, what just happened? Like, mm. I'm not even in senior management. And all of a sudden, I'm in charge of our, like, well, I realized now later, she gave me hope. She, she, she helped me see where I wanted to go and create steps that I had agency over to get to that place. So as we started creating all these action steps at work, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm a rock star at work, but my personal life is just yucky. Like, why can't, why doesn't this translate over? Mm. And then I'm like, why didn't it translate over? Why can't I apply the same thing to my personal life as I am at work? So I took out an index card and I wrote on the back of this index card, I want to go back to college. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but you have to understand, I flunked out of college. And the reason I flunked out of college was because I could not pass a remedial math class, not even the legitimate one that you get credit hours for. This is like the one you take before they let you take the real one. And I flunked it twice. So my very first action step was literally find the phone number to LSU and figure out how to get your transcript. And then figure out what college you can even go to with a 0.50 grade point average. So that was my first thing was I'm going to tackle this. I want a degree. And I went back to school and I got my degree. I have all kinds of questions, by the way. How did you end up in Mm -hmm. banking? You're working with numbers for another day. But I have tons of questions about that, which was you're already probably becoming proficient with numbers and having to go trace your steps. So continue. Yeah. Right. So, and that is an interesting question. I, it's because of my horoscope. They asked me what my birthday was in the job interview. And when I told them my birthday, she said, Oh, you're an Aries. We need another Aries. No. So thank goodness. That was like my qualifications for my job and not my. (laughs) So anyway, but yeah, so I got, so I kept going. You like, you get momentum when you start living intentionally, when you start seeing that you do have some agency and some control, it just is exciting. And so then I got my master's and then I'm like, I want to tackle the big one, which is this weight issue. And I want to be more active. I want to be able to ride a bike, like just ride a bike in my neighborhood. And so they all started out with such simple, simple, small, small steps. Like literally find a bicycle that can handle my size, you know, and ride for five minutes in the neighborhood and just, it kept, but you keep leveling up. You just kind of keep like raising that bar a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. That's so good. You know, you're riding your bike across the state of Oklahoma every year for 10 years in a row. Wow. Wow. So Ironman, how did it get from, all right, my goal is to ride a bike to my goal is to complete an Ironman. Those little level ups, honestly, like I, I, I got to tell you, there was no, it wasn't like I sat out and I was like, I'm going to be an Ironman one day. 
it wasn't like that. It was like, I, I want to ride my bike. Oh, I want to ride to the next town. Oh, I heard there's this week long bike ride where you can ride across the state. And then one day somebody said, you know, um, you ought to run in that marathon that they do to honor the lives of the people that are lost in the Oklahoma City bombing. I didn't even know anything about running. And so I signed up to run. I showed up for the first training run and thought, oh my gosh, like, why did I tell people I would do this? Um, I'm going to die because, you know, running, this is bad, but I did it. And then I was so proud of myself. And then one day somebody's like, you know, if you could swim, you could do a triathlon. I didn't even know how to swim. I signed up for swim lessons five weeks before my first sprint triathlon. <laughs> so part of it was just uh, honestly, just, I think you, you, you know, I, I had to not care that I was back of the pack because I'm slow. And just say, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing it. These are things I want to do. And, um, and then, you know, just a half, a half iron man. And then somebody said something about a full iron man. I was thinking, oh my gosh. And, but then, okay, let's do it. Like, let's just do it. And that, that was one of the highlights of my life was crossing the finish line at Ironman Arizona and hearing Mike Riley, the voice of Ironman say, Amy Downs, you are an Ironman. Mm. That was pretty awesome. And I came in last. Don't care. I beat you. You weren't there. <laughs> finished. <laughs> completed. That, that's amazing. I finished. Um, and you have to finish within 17 hours and you have all these time cuts along the way. And uh, I mean, there was a moment at mile 17 on the run where I remember praying. And I remember my prayer was something like, God, I don't care. This was a stupid idea. I don't even want to do this anymore. Like if there is some reason that I'm supposed to get to the finish line, because it's somehow going to help somebody, then you're going to have to help me because I'm done. Like, I don't even, I'm done. And right after that, my coach came out of the darkness. Literally, she's like, Amy, you're doing great. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm looking at my Garmin. I can do math now. So I'm like, I can't, I can't, my pace is off. I'm not going to make it. And she reminded me that it was a self-seated swim start, which meant I actually still had more time than I thought I did. So Mm. I actually had till about 15 minutes after midnight. And when that's all it took was that encouragement of, no, you actually have enough time. And you know, in your mind, if you think you can do something, you'll do it. If you think you can't, you won't. And so my mind shift changed from there's no way I can do this to, oh, there's a chance I can do this. And I did it. Wow. Game changer. We were talking before we started recording and just what a challenging year it has been uh, to be a human, let alone a leader. Um, what have been some of the challenges for you in this last year that that you faced that maybe you hadn't in the few years before that? When COVID hit, I could feel in my spirit that this was very similar to April 95. Mm. I knew that what was happening was big and that we were going to have to lean in. I I told our team, we're going to hunker down. We're not going to hunker down. We're going to lean in and we're going to come out stronger. And that means a lot of pivots. That means a lot of experimenting. And that's exactly what we did. We sent everybody home on March 13th and we ordered laptops. We did not know what we were doing and we just figured it out. And we started doing video banking. We started doing everything we could do to operate as as virtual as much as we could. 
And what that meant was, I know for me, it, it meant just being on adrenaline, like for months, yeah. you know, just you're, you're just on. And, um, and, and I know for our team, it was one change after another and it was challenging for them as well. Everybody, it was so challenging. And toward the end of last year, uh, 2020, toward the end of 2020, I really hit a wall where uh, just exhaustion, just fatigue and, and really bordering on depression because it just, and I realized it's, you can't sustain that level of adrenaline for that long. Right. You know, there's a reason Iron Man is only, I mean, yeah, it's a massive deal, but it's 17 hours, right? It's not, you know, it's not a 24 or 36 six days, hour event, yeah. it's a 17 uh-huh. hour event. Yep. And so COVID, you know, all this adrenaline and these pivots, you can't sustain mm. that for forever. And so I had to sort of step back and catch my breath and like take, do some self-care, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And as a, as a boss, uh, talk a little bit to some of the other bosses out there and team leads. Our teams have been through, dare I say, trauma, very traumatic year, a lot of adrenaline. How do we care for our teams right now? I, I love Patrick Lincioni. And I heard him say, you know, he wrote the, the, um, the advantage and the five dysfunctions of a team. You know, a lot of people in leadership are familiar with his work. And, you know, I heard him say that times like this is when leaders need to be exceedingly human. Mm. And I remembered back to after the bombing, when that fiery redheaded CEO walked into my hospital room. This is before cell phones. This is before we were all walking around with cell phones. She had a board of directors to tend to. She had family members of 18 people that were killed to deal with. But she took the time to walk into my hospital room, walk over to my hospital bed, touch me on the face, and ask me how I'm doing. Wow. And I'll never forget that. And then I remember we both, Tears streaming down our, down our faces. She shared with me what she knew. Here's who's dead. Who's here's in the, here's who I know. She told me what she knew. She told me what she didn't know. And there, she, she was, uh, she was funny. You know, she told me she had an injury. She'd been blown up against the window and her bum was bruised. Like really, <laughs> like her whole backside was bruised. And so, you know, she made a joke about, you know, what she had been through. She was human. Mm. She was human. And, I thought, you know what? He's right. They want to know we're human. Like, don't send the mass email out. Like, drop in on the Zoom call. Do whatever you need to do to let him see you, hear you, and know you care. You know? They need to know you care. That's good. We're talking about the joys and challenges of leading as a female. So first of all, the challenges. What are some of those challenges, especially speak to the men here, that we should know that many females encounter just because they are seeking to lead and live out their design and they happen to be a female? I don't really know how to compare it because I haven't been a man. (laughs) So I'm not really sure, except I know that sometimes if I am in a group of all men leaders, like um, there's a board I serve on where I'm the only female, I can feel intimidated. And I don't know if that's just 
I don't know what that's about, right? I don't know if that's just because men take a different posture. They tend to be louder or talk over you. I, I don't know, but I can, I have to fight against shrinking back. Mm. You know, I, I, my, my feeling is I want to just sort of shrink back. Mm. So I have to, so I think is, is men, if you've got females on your team, you know, maybe ask, don't wait for them to speak up. Maybe even ask them, Hey, what do you think about this situation? Like really make space for them to step up and be part of the conversation. Um, because as a female, I think that that can be a little intimidating. And then if you are a female who is aggressive and you do talk or whatever, well, then that's hard for, I think, some men to take. So then you're maybe labeled a different way where if a man acted that same way, they, you wouldn't think anything about it. But if a woman does, then, you know, you're labeled in a negative way. So I think just understanding the differences, you know, understanding a lot of those differences, Mm, is important, you know? That's good. Talk about some of the joys, maybe even advantages of being a female in leadership. I do not know. I don't remember who to attribute this to, but it's, I heard this from, from another female um, who said, you know what? I started leaning in to the fact that I'm a female and that I can get away with stuff a man maybe can't. I can be more caring. And of course, this is pre-COVID. You know, I can, I can, you know, give a little hug. I can, you know, there's some things that we are able to get away with that maybe a man can't. So just go ahead and lean into your, your, you know, the female side of who you are, the caring side. You know, I, I have had more men sit in my office and have to get a box of tissue than I ever have women. And I think it's because some they're not used to maybe having a space where it's okay to open up about feelings mm. and women, I think might be better. I, I don't know if that's across the board, but I think some women maybe are better at nurturing and listening to feelings than maybe some men are. And so I think that gives us a little bit of an advantage there. Mm. That's really helpful. And again, we're not saying that because this is true of you, but some themes are resonating. We have some incredible interviews we've already recorded and are already live, but um I would encourage and challenge uh, any man listening to continue to lean in. We're trying to learn during this time, but females to begin to lean in. That's kind of a word for our interview, almost lean into that. And I love that question of maybe how can I get away with something? How do I have an advantage here in some different ways? And so these have been fascinating conversations. Um, There are a lot of humans right now male or female with a lot of limiting beliefs. You talked about what we believe in our minds. We shrink back after that. If we believe it's not possible, then suddenly it's not possible to us. A lot of limiting beliefs, but talk specifically to some females that have some limiting beliefs. Maybe they aspire to leadership, like a role or position that you're in or writing a book or some big dream that's on their heart, but they have limiting beliefs. Challenge, inspire, encourage, call them forth, Amy. Okay, so let me tell you this. I heard I have heard this from more than one CEO. In this time frame, I do believe that we want to see more women in leadership roles. What I'm hearing from other CEOs is that women don't apply. The reason they don't apply is they read the job description and they can't check every box, so they don't apply. 
men typically will see that same list. And if they hit three of the eight, they're going to apply. We're good to go. I've seen these actual studies on this. I've seen the study. It's fascinating. Right. So I would say to the woman out there, don't wait to check every box. Don't wait to check every box. Don't. Like you hit a few of those boxes, you try. And in this day and age, if you don't know how to do something, there is probably a YouTube video out there that will help you, right? (laughs) So figure it out. Like sometimes you have to jump and build your wings on the way down. And I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, be ridiculous and and go do the thing you have no training for, but don't wait to be perfect. Don't, Mm. don't. Like if you have that in your heart, try. Don't wait to be perfect because that day will probably not come. You won't think it is anyway. We never think we're perfect. We never think we've arrived. So don't wait for that. That's good. Um, Because we've been talking about a magic wand here, I'm going to hand you a magic wand back for this last question. Uh, If I were to give you a magic wand and say, what do you hope is different for female leaders in the future? What would you, do you have a wand? Are you reaching for a wand right now? Yes. Okay. You've got the wand. If you guys are watching this in the Red Side community or, or later on in YouTube, she physically has a wand. So you got the wand. You can just wave it over culture and make things different in the future for female leaders. What would you hope changes? What I'd like to see different, and, and, and this really isn't just specifically, um, I think we all would benefit from this, honestly. And that is, I would like to see old school leadership end. And by old school leadership, what I mean by that is leadership that is out of fear and intimidation. And I would like to see more leaders be open to hard conversations. And that's not one way. That's not them having the hard conversation but be the kind of leader that you will listen to other people tell you maybe what you don't want to hear. You know, um, I feel like that changes our teams because then it's not all about just that leader. It's now about that team because they're willing to hear and take in information from everyone on that team. And so if I had a magic wand, I think that that's what I would want to see is that the the CEOs out there, because I still feel like there's some bad actors in some of these leadership roles. And if they, I think that maybe they think they've already arrived and they don't need to still grow and they don't need to still learn. And I think I would say, no, here's a magic wand. You need to go get an organizational health coach or an executive coach you need to listen to this podcast and you need to have a growth mindset and be open to learning because that changes an entire organization and an entire culture when you do that. Mm, So good. Amy, we could talk for hours. We better not. Guys, you're listening to Amy Downs and she is officially an Ironman. You have seen so much growth and momentum. Thanks for passing that on uh, to us today. Where can folks find you online and, and connect with what you're doing? All right. My website is amydowns.org and I've got links to my social platforms there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Amy. We are learning a ton in this series. We look forward to continuing it, but you have been an incredible addition today. Thanks so much for all that you do. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, friends, I don't know 
what you say after that. What an amazing woman. What an amazing story. God is using her in so many ways. I loved her challenge to think about motivation. Just take your next right step. Just make your next decision and go for it. Guys, you don't have to boil the ocean. Just do your next right thing like Amy did. Maybe you don't have aspirations of being a CEO someday, writing a book, or being an Iron Man or Iron Woman uh, like Amy is and was, but you've got dreams. You've got goals. The question we always ask in our coaching sessions, and we're going to continue asking here in this podcast, is what's your next right step? Guys, if this podcast is helpful to you at all, we ask you to share it. Share it with other people. Drag it onto your social media. Uh, text it to somebody else and say, please listen to this. You're going to continue to be encouraged, inspired. And guys, I think we are being challenged in a really, really good way during this season. The joys and the challenges of being a leader as a female. We have had some incredible guests. We're going to continue to bring these conversations your way. And guys, we are crazy enough to believe you can live and lead for the long haul without losing your soul in the process. No matter what our culture says, you don't have to burn out or flame out. You're going to lead well. Take care, guys. So long.